Well, thank you all for for bearing being here. <coughs> excuse me, being here this Sunday. This Sunday that the Lord has given that we can come together and gather. That we can use our gifts to serve each other, to bless one another, and to honor the Lord. You know, that's that's really what the church is. It's a set-apart body, you know, set apart for him. And in today's world, we, we hear a lot of things, right? Do you hear a lot of things out there? Yeah? Okay, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to answer, sorry. <laughs> um, every, every time we're on our phone, every time we're on Facebook, every time we, we turn on the TV, um, you know, there's companies, right? There's, there's these businesses that want our attention, they want our time, they want our money, you know? I, I think of the, the two rivalries, if you ever watch the, the Food That Built America, uh, the shows on Pepsi and Coke, and their, their ad campaign wars is like crazy amounts of money. About I'm mean, like, it's a soft drink. But even as we came back into Calhan, it was like a whole jingle about how Pepsi tastes, or hot dogs taste better with Pepsi, right? If she's, okay. <laughs> what are we, oh, yeah, on the radio. And I was like, this little jingle about hot dogs being good with, with Pepsi. I was like, it's good with water too. But, but anyways, you know, name brands want to win and, and even these no name businesses want their time in the sun. I mean, there's, there's ads for everything. There's ads everywhere on anything from t-shirts to cars to billboards and especially on social media, right? And you get on Facebook and it's like you're on a walking ad. I'm like, what happened to friends, right? <laughs> and uh, buy this, please. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like that. You know, my phone's just this this walking ad. Well, you know, that brought this question to mind. You know, what you know, what are we? You know, as as humans, what are we? Well, the Bible actually calls us sheep. You know, and that's uh, the the Psalm. You know, we are his sheep, it says. Israel would sing that. Well, what do sheep do? Sheep follow. And sometimes I think ad companies know this very well, right? It's like, wait, you know, if we put a model in these clothes, if we have them drink a always refreshing cola, well, everyone else is going to want what that polar bear has on that side of that truck, right? I want that Coke, daddy. And why else are there models? Why else are there, you know, people that showcase what they want other people to buy and wear? This is the business, or the business of the world at least. But when it comes to scripture, we're described as lost sheep, sheep in need of help. Now, I, uh, there's definitely a theme in the songs that even I picked that you know, we're in need of rescue and we're in need of help because we are unable to help ourselves out of the mess we find ourselves in. The prophet Isaiah says this in chapter 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord tells us we're, we're sheep. We're sheep who have gone on our own way thinking this or that will bring us life, happiness, peace. Success. We have turned to our own way thinking, well, I, I know best. I know which way to go. 
of the Lord says right here in Isaiah that is destroying humanity. So rescue is needed. And thankfully, rescue is coming. Rescue has come, has come to bear our iniquities, you know, as that text ends. To bear the iniquities of humanity. Jesus came, and this is the will and the work of the Lord. Let's start in prayer before we turn to John 10. Father God, we we thank you for this time to to sing together, to, to fellowship together on this on this Sunday that you have given us. And and Father, we just want to be here in your word. Help us uh, to be undistracted. Help us study well, to be approved by you, Lord. And Father, that we would just learn and grow from your scripture, that we would know more about you, that we would know more about ourselves, that we would grow in our faith and our walk with you. Encourage us and strengthen us for the week ahead. And Father, I'll be with those that aren't here. Strengthen and encourage them. May, may they hear your word as well today. May they be strengthened and encouraged. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to John, Gospel of John, chapter 10. It seems like every time I, I say this as we're about to leave a, a chapter of John's Gospel, I've really enjoyed this. I really I love I've come to love each chapter more and more. As I said when I was first introducing this book, I don't even know how many Sundays ago. Um, you know, this was the first book I ever read as a new believer, and I've really enjoyed having it be the first book that I preached through as a as a pastor. And uh, it's been fun. So let's uh, dive into uh, John 10. And we'll be in verses 19 through 26. Here John records this. And there was again a division among the Jews because of those these words. And many of them said, he has a demon. And is in saying, why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Very good question, right? At, the, at, the time, at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. So two uh, two weeks ago, as Toby spoke last Sunday, lead, I guess we'll start that. We'll start Lead the Cause Sunday. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, that'd be a good thing to, for churches to get involved in. And... Um, I was about to point to him, actually. <laughs> like, thank you, Toby, for preaching last Sunday. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, But two Sundays ago, Jesus had talked about himself being the door, the way to heaven, about himself being the good shepherd that brings life. 
Well, now we see that after those, those words that were spoken, there was yet again division among the Jews. We, we see that throughout the Gospels. Those hearing Jesus were split. The Lord's words cut through the middle of the crowd. It's pretty comparable to today of what people say about Jesus. His words cut like a sword which he says he, he says he brings a sword, he brings division. Uh, many of them, a, a group of people said this, this man has a demon. There is something wrong here. He is, he's not right in the head, they say. So why are we even listening to him? But others in the crowd say this, this is, this is not an oppressed man. This is not a, a demon. He has no demon. A de can a demon open blind man's eyes? That is a great question that hangs in the air. And then the other question is, who, who is this man, right? Who is he? What does the crowd say about him? What, what do people do with his claims? And what the, what the crowd said uh, made me think about what other people say about Jesus to today, in today's world. You know, they say, well, he's just a good teacher or, well, yeah, he's, He's definitely a religious leader, one, one of the many ways to God. You know, people in today's world say things like that, and people in, in the day that Jesus walked and talked spoke like that as well. C.S. Lewis sums up this quite well in his book, Mere Christianity. He says this, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not accept his claim to be God. That is a thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who said he is a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You know, pretty much the two things that the crowd's saying right here in John 10. And then Lewis goes on, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Uh, probably one of the best quotes from C.S. Lewis. I mean, there's always a good quote from C.S. Lewis on any subject you're studying. And we have definitely, you know, as Lewis addresses, have tried to add options. Oh, he's a, he's a myth. He's a legend. He's, he's a great moral teacher. We want to discuss. We want to debate and disagree, but not deal with who Jesus is. You know, the crowd was definitely dealing with this. That... You know, they, they saw this. They saw that Jesus was either out of his mind or he was the devil misleading or he was the Lord of all creation. There was no other option open. The crowd saw that. May we, may, may the world see that because when we look at Jesus, when we look at what he has done, all of the wonders, all of the works about how he speaks and loves, how he gives grace to the world, we know this to be true. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is the one come to bring us back to God. Now the text goes on saying it was the Feast of Dedication. 
Well, we know that today as Hanukkah, where the temple was rededicated after, during the time of the Seleucid Empire, Antiochus Epiphanes, a really, really cool name to say, but he was a really bad guy. He started slaughtering pigs on the altar of the temple. He tried to force Greek culture, custom, and religious, and even religious idols. He, he um, profaned the temple by building several idols there. He tried to force that upon the Jews, which leads to what is called the Maccabean Revolt, uh, which is highly detailed in the first book of Maccabees, which is actually a, a good history book, but, but not, not scripture. It is a long guerrilla warfare that takes place against the Greek Empire, which led to victory. And as tradition goes, any, any Fiddler of the Roof fans out there like musicals? No? It's good. It's my favorite. <laughs> I like Tavia. Tavia is cool. Um, but Greeks have their traditions, right? But according to tradition, the light of the lamp was about to run out of oil in the temple, but it lasted eight days longer than it should have. So that is why Hanukkah is eight days long. Gotquestions.org says this, that the Maccabeans cleansed the temple and rededicated it on the 25th of the Jewish months of Kesvul. I'm definitely butchering that. When it came time to rededicate the menorah, the multi-branched lampstand, they searched the entire temple, but only one small jar of oil bearing the pure seal of the high priest could be found. Miraculously, that small jar of oil burned for eight days until a new supply of oil could be brought. From then on, Jews everywhere observed a holiday for eight days in honor of this historical victory and miracle of the oil. The observance of Hanukkah features the lighting of a special Hanukkah menorah with eight branches plus a helper candle adding new one uh, one new <laughs> adding one new candle each night this all took place in 164 bc so uh, before the birth of christ and this feast was ongoing right now um, john actually gives us that timetable of three years because he tells us hey this is passover hey this is hanukkah this is this is another feast you know he gives us that a legitimate three-year period. <clears throat> As this celebration of what has been going on, what has been accomplished of this small little nation fighting off an empire went on, Jesus was walking through the temple and he walked into the colonnade of Solomon. Uh, this colonnade was built into the eastern wall of the, of the temple and it was a point of congregation here in John. And uh, later in Acts 3, we actually see this point of a congregation well, as well when Peter heals a, a lame man in, in Acts 3. Well, here the Jews, the leadership of Israel, those religious elite come to him. And they start asking the Lord questions, saying, Why? Why do you keep us waiting? Tell us now, are you the Christ or not? And if you are the Christ, then please make it clear. And Jesus says this to them. I've plainly told you, and my works you have seen, and you do not believe, and they do not believe because they are not of his sheep. Jesus says this is why 
you do not believe in me because you are not of my sheep. And this, this actually points back to what the Lord had said earlier in the Gospel of John to the leadership of Israel. He said this to him. Let's, let's turn back to John 8. It's John 8, 44 and 45. But John 8, verses 44 and 45, the Lord says this, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. See, those against the Lord, those that attacked him, those that persecuting him, they are of their father, the devil. And they do what he desires. They don't stand in truth. They don't want to hear truth. They can't bear the truth. So when Jesus speaks it, they can't, they can't handle that. You know, this, is, this is exactly, it, it's, it's crazy. It, it, it like hit me. Uh, that we saw this happen. We actually physically uh, read the words and saw their actions in, in all of John chapter 9, right? They, they look everywhere else for an explanation for the wonder that they saw happen in that former blind man, right? You know, they're, they're, they, they won't accept it. They won't bear the truth. So now they, they come to Jesus during this feast that celebrates a candle single candle not burning out they celebrate this 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 wonder and yet they don't celebrate the messiah now please turn in your bibles with me to hebrews hebrews 2 oh, this uh this made me think of these verses right here Hebrews 2 1 through 4 you know the the, the wonders and the works and, and that we need to pay attention the author says this therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard at least we drift away from it for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable that's the that's the old testament law that's the law of Moses and every transgression or disobedience received a, a just retribution how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And you see, Hebrews was written to a Jewish congregation that was in the midst of wanting to really neglect the gospel, go back to the old ways. The author goes on here saying, It was declared at first by the Lord, by Jesus. It was attested to us by those who heard the disciples, the, the apostles, and while God also bore witnesses by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. You know, the works and wonders are proof. And we are told to pay closer attention to what we have heard so we don't drift away. For if we neglect this great salvation from God, how can we escape? For it has been seen, it has been declared by the Lord Jesus bears witness by many wonders and miracles and those that saw, as, as Cinder 
read from 1 John. Those that witnessed went on to bear witness to the truth of who Jesus is, the Messiah. And that's, that's from the get-go, right? Even when you go back to when they're first introduced in the Gospel of John, it's like, we have found the one Moses has talked about. We have found the Messiah, and he is from God. And they declare it to even their letters. So when the leaders come up and ask for proof, when, when the world comes up and, and asks, well, why doesn't God show himself? Well, let us say he has shown himself. He has been declared. The truth is out. The question is, is, is will we, will the world listen? Will we listen to the voice of the one who calls all to come? I'll go ahead and uh, please turn back in your Bibles with me to John 10. And we will go on in verses 27 through 33. Well, John continues to record this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. Bless you. Jesus goes on saying this, my, my sheep hear my voice and I know my sheep and they follow me. You know, again, we see that, that relationship here that the sheep follow Jesus and they listen to Jesus. They hear his voice. They center in on it. And the Lord knows them. He knows the depths of their heart. He knows their struggles and sin. He knows his followers. To his followers, he gives eternal life, right? Just, just as they talked, we talked about last Sunday. It starts then and now. They are his and they will not perish. Destruction will not be their future. There's no one, nothing. Things of heaven or things on earth can snatch them out of the hand of the Lord. And as I heard one Bible scholar put it, can't remember his name he pointed at the class and said that includes you but Jesus says this he states this my father has given me the sheep he God the father is greater than all he is mighty he is sovereign he rules from his throne so no one can take them out of my hand Jesus says or even the father's hand the truth here is seen is that God elects. God the Father hands those sheep to Jesus and they cannot be lost for they have eternal life from God and they are held by God. That's such a great blessing of how secure that is. How that... It's a great blessing. 
Now this subject brings us to an understanding that a genuine, a true, authentic believer cannot lose their salvation. No matter their feelings, actions, doubts, or mindset. But as, as scripture goes on, as we see the context of scripture, we are called to make sure we are of the faith. Paul says this to the church in Corinth. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves or do you not realize this is about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you indeed fail to meet the test? See, we are to examine our lives. We are to test ourselves and see Jesus the Messiah in me, the hope of glory in us. We are to know that God, God has started a good work in us and God will complete it. Paul says this to the church in Philippi. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now Paul sees their actions. He knows their hearts. And he knows that God is working in their partnership with him. And he knows that the Lord has started this good work and he will bring it to completion on that day that Jesus comes. And then we also hear this from Paul to the, to the Philippian church as well. He says to them to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. How beautiful is that, that we are to walk with God, that we are to work it out with God and that we are to know that he has given us so much and we are to know that God works in us for his good pleasure. You know, on hearing that, I, I really thought about Ephesians 1, and I was just like, we need to read pretty much all of Ephesians 1. But I, I thought we'd just get, the, get most of it. But if you want to re, um, turn over to Ephesians 1, we'll start in verse 3. Because Ephesians 1, and it's a beautiful chapter just to read. And as you know before... Like the 14 and 1500s, we didn't have chapters or verses in our Bibles. So the early church would stand up and read the entire letter. You know, it's like sometimes, oh, I can't get a couple verses in today, right? <laughs> but it's good to read them, read them in their entire context. But verses 13 through 14, Paul states this to the church in Ephesus. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have through in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in, in heaven and things on earth 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And that's what it means to be a sheep of God, to be blessed, to be blameless, to be adopted, to be forgiven, redeemed, to be bought with grace, lavished grace for his glory. Jesus continues in what he was saying, I and the Father are one. Yet immediately at that statement, the religious leaders went to kill him, went to stone him. And Jesus asks them this, which one of my good works from the Father are you willing, are you going to kill me for? The leadership answered Jesus saying this, it is not because of the good work, no, you are going to die because of blasphemy, for you are a man and you have made yourself a God. See, Jesus here claims oneness with the Almighty. But the Jews believed and taught that God is one, and therefore in their mind, Jesus could not be one with God. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 6, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that is true. He is one in nature. But as we see in Scripture, he is, he is three in person. We see hints of the Trinitarian doctrine, the Trinity uh, or the Trinitarian doctrine throughout Scripture. I mean, right from Genesis, the Lord says this, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And the question when you're reading language like that, it's like, well, who is he talking to, right? Well, right here it is God the Father talking to God the Son and God the Spirit, who are all at creation. Let us make man in our own image. Now, the Trinity is a hard doctrine to wrap our heads around but it is a beautiful truth of who God is, that he is full, that he is whole, that he is not lonely as some have believed and taught. No, he is satisfied in and of himself. He is whole. I like to, excuse me, and here the, the Trinity welcomes humanity, calls humanity home. I'd like to read another quote from C.S. Lewis here on why uh, the leaders rage, on why the world is so indifferent or rages against him as well. And Lewis says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desire not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer at a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. 
And we see here where we're offered a relationship, a relationship with this resurrected Savior. We are called and we are offered so much, and yet the world passes it by. You know, that we as, as a church, as a community called out, set apart, that we would be salt to the world. That we would show everyone that there is something way more full, way more flavorful than what we have here on earth. Well, please turn back in your Bibles with me to John chapter 10. Verses 34 and 42. When John records this, and Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I say you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent to the world, you are blaspheming? Because I say I am the Son of God. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe in me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. You see, Jesus goes on and says this to the religious leaders. Doesn't the law say this? You are gods. He's quoting from Psalm 82. The verse says this. I say you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. See, God spoke this to mere men. Men that the word of God came to. And what are we to make of this verse? Well, that humanity, like gods, would sit in judgment. That they would judge over each other. Jesus is saying here that if this claim is true, then the other claim is even truer that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was consecrated, that he was sent out, that if Scripture can't be broken here, that, that these sons of the Most High, these men who are made in likeness of the likeness of God will die and fall and yet stand in judgment of one another, well, then the leaders need to see that Jesus is the Father's Son, that the Father consecrated and sent him to the world they need to see that Jesus is not blaspheming by saying he is the son of God. The truth is spoken. The father says who Jesus is. Go ahead. Please turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. Of Matthew chapter 3. Uh, in verses 13 through 17, Matthew records the baptism of the Lord here. He tells us this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John 
to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus answered him, let us, let it be so now for this. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending on descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. As John was baptizing Jesus, Jesus came out of the water. And the heavens opened up, and the Spirit of God, the, the Holy Spirit, descended upon him like a dove. It rested upon the Lord. And the Father spoke, saying, This is my Son, he is beloved and I will please with him. This is the start of the Lord's earthly ministry. This is the father declaring who his son is. It is Jesus. Jesus goes on saying in the text of John 10, If I am not working the works of my father, then you have every right not to believe in me. But the truth is, if I do them, then see them, see the works. And even if you don't believe you can see them and know this. You can understand this, that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus points to this. You don't believe? Okay, then gaze, then look and see these wonders. See these works of God and then you will see the truth. The truth that there is oneness here between the Father and the Son, the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. And with that, the leadership went to arrest him. But he escaped their hands, and Jesus went away again. And he went across the Jordan to the place where John the Baptist had been baptizing and there Jesus remained, and, and many came out to him, and they said this, that John, John the Baptist, did no signs, which is true. He, he preached and baptized, and people flooded out to him. And then they say this, and everything he said about this man, about Jesus, was true. Had they heard? Had they heard what John the Baptist proclaimed about Jesus in John chapter 1? Let's go ahead and turn back over to John chapter 1. But John says this in verses 29 through 34. He proclaims this to the crowds among him. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world this is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said on it, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. 
This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. And John spoke of Jesus. He told the world this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Israel, this is the one you've been waiting for. I have witnessed it. I have heard. I know that this is the Son of God. You know, and then this event takes place right where John had, probably around the area that John had proclaimed these words, where he had been baptizing people, where Jesus had been baptized. Many came to believe in Jesus there. Kind of like a full circle event of John's ministry. Because we see that John is on a mission. John the Baptist was sent to say this, to, to proclaim this. The Gospel of John records this earlier in John 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And John the Baptist was sent by God he was a witness, not a, another, another religious leader, as, as some scholars would say, but he was a witness. He was not the light, right? That's one of the first questions they ask him in the Gospel of John, are you the Christ? He says no. He doubles down. He says it like three times, right? He came to bear witness about the light, the light that came, the light of men, the man, Jesus, the Messiah. Now today we see that Jesus is the Son of God, and we can bear witness to that truth. As, as John in his first letter, can, you know, we can testify the one from the beginning came, the life made manifest, that we see that, that Jesus and the Father share a oneness, that we see that beautiful relationship in the Trinity, that the whole Trinity is here on mission to redeem humanity, and we see that the Lord knows who his sheep are, and he can see who are not his sheep. Now this means that the truth is noble, that the truth is shareable, and that it is here to be heard. That Jesus comes for all of his sheep, that Jesus is one with the Father, and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, three in one, are here to bring glory to God and to bring humanity back to themselves. The Apostle John writes this in his first letter. My little children, I am writing these things to you that, so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, there is an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And that we would know this. You know, as we struggle, as we fail and fall, as we deal with life, there is an advocate before the Father. That we would know this, that Jesus Christ, the righteous, is the covering. Right? That's, that's what the propitiation means, is that he's like an umbrella. He took all of the wrath. You know, those three words, it is finished. He paid it in full. He did that for our sins. He did that for the sins of the whole world so that all can come to the Lord Almighty and be justified. 
that as the call goes out, we can hear and we can come. We don't have to live for mud pies anymore. We can seek what is above because of what Jesus has done. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for everything that you have given us, Lord, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for John chapter 10. Lord, we just uh, thank you for your amazing grace found in your Son. May we rest in it. May we let it be known to the world that rescue has come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.